that song and appreciate those girls. They might be my favorite singers. The, um, you know, when it comes to sports, I like sports, many of you do. You know how you have a winning season? You have more wins than losses. Very few teams ever have a perfect season, right? And uh, so to be successful or to have a winning season, you win more than you lose. Now I'd say this, you're not going to have a perfect life, right? I mean, 75, 76 years or however many years God gives you on this earth, I promise you this, they're not all going to be easy and there's going to be trials and tribulations and struggles and, and you name it. But a lot of times we focus on those more than we focus on the wins, don't we? And this month of November, we think about, well, it's the month of Thanksgiving. Well, and I know we say, well, every day should be a time of Thanksgiving, 100%, but do we? So the least we can do is focus in on this month and say, listen, you know what? I want to find uh, every day I want something to be thankful for, and I want to find something to be thankful for. And so as we look at Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter number 4 this morning, I want to begin verse number 6 and uh, say this, I'm thankful that uh, one thing I'm thankful for as the teenagers came back from axe throwing, they all had... Fingers. And I heard they had a good time, except I heard Braden kept hitting himself in the head. Just once. You're not going to have a long life if you hit yourself in the head with an axe. So the rule number one, try not to do that, right? But we all have things to be thankful for, and we could probably, honestly, if we wanted to, we could spend the next hour complaining about all the things that are wrong in the world and in our life, but you have to make a conscious effort, a choice to be thankful. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6, the Bible says this. Now again, I want to make sure we're on the same page. We all agree that this is God's Word, that it is perfect and infallible, and we are simply to obey it. Right? Agree? Well, notice what verse 6 says. Be careful for nothing. Let's pray and go home. You know what? You know what? In today's English, that means you shouldn't worry about one thing. That's exactly what it means. You should not worry about one single thing. Now, how are we doing? Do we need to go ahead and have the altar call now and just read that verse and everybody get on the altar? Right? Be careful for nothing but in everything. Brother Paul, you're a Greek scholar. What's that mean? Everything. That does not say in some things, in everything. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So it gives us a contrast. On this side, we could worry, but we cannot pray with thanksgiving. On this side it says if you do not worry, you are to pray with thanksgiving. Right? Is that, is that what we're reading so far? Then the Bible said let your request be made known unto God. We could pro probably spend an hour on each section of this and just break it down and say do that. Right? Because here... The Bible says, let your request be made known unto your friends, your family, 
your social media following. Doesn't say any of that. So let your request be made known to God. And the the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Do we understand how powerful those two verses are for us to live? I mean that that this is this is a this is two verses that will help you live. They're not theoretical, they're not hypothetical. It is our everyday, here's what we can do. And so I want to preach a few thoughts this morning on the power of a thankful heart. I'm finding out that that much of what's going on in our life. It is is how we think. The devil puts a lot, there's a battleground going on in your life. And it's not out there and it's not with the kids and it's not with moms and dads. It's, it's what's going on right in here. Agree? I mean, if we can learn to have the mind of Christ and control what the mind thinks. You say, you can't control the mind. No, the Bible said we can have the, even our thoughts under submission. Right? And, and as a matter of fact, it commands us to do that. And so thanksgiving is vital for powerful prayer. Thankfulness recognizes God's provision with thanksgiving. Now you, you look and, and it's good to see a lot of folks around the altar. And no doubt many of you came because you have burdens. And many of you sitting there, you have all these burdens in life. And you're, you're thinking, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through them. Well, I'll tell you this. That, that, those two verses will help you. And then others came and got on the altar because God reminded them of some things they were thankful for and they just wanted to get on the altar and thank God for that. And maybe you did that at your seat and that's fine. But see, the perspective that we have and the way we think and the way we allow the God or Satan to influence our mind really determines how we live our life. Now I, I understand, I know there's a lot being said and published about the positive, the power of positive thinking and, and I buy into some of that. I don't buy into all of it, right? I mean, some of it doesn't matter how positive you think, it just ain't going to happen. But I do know this, that there's a connection according to the Bible between this and this. And if I can get this right, it affects this. And then when I get this right, it affects this, Right? And so Thanksgiving lists our thoughts. You, you, you think about today and, and no doubt we all come in here with some burden or some trial or whatever it is. I, I wanna, I, I'll tell you this and we, could, we, we can stop here. You better be thank, thank God you're not in, uh, in uh, Palestine or Israel. Huh? You with me? Better be, better be glad you're not in the Ukraine. Better, better be glad this morning you're not at Baptist Hospital. Mom's dad's, hey, that little baby, 15-year-old, 16, 17, 20, whatever it is, sitting by you or sitting, you better be, thank God because there's a lot of parents that theirs is in the cemetery. Hello? You better be thankful. Listen. Because if not, it consumes you. To be thankful consumes us. It's amazing when we're thankful, Brother Matt, that God's like, well, yeah, that. 
Oh, I'm thankful for that. And then he'll point something else. When you're unthankful, guess what? Satan does the same thing. You don't have that. Well, you don't have this, and you don't have this. Look at them, right? So we have to get this mindset of thankfulness, and it reminds us also of answered prayer. How many prayers has God answered in your life? That I, and I see it all the time. We'll say, listen, pray about this. Help us pray about this. Help us pray about this. And God answers the prayer, and we never hear anything about the answered prayer. Right? And so we, we have to understand we cannot be thankful and complain at the same time. There's no, I, I'm thankful, but. You either are or you're not. And so the truth is, thankful people demonstrate God's power daily. How is it that someone who has all the trials of life and all the struggles of life, and you look at them and you're going, I don't even see how they're getting up in the morning, let alone uh, serving God. I don't see how in the world they're even functioning in life, let alone being an encouragement. I'll tell you probably how they're doing it. They're just thankful. Because when you realize that you and I deserve nothing but God's judgment and punishment... We are thankful because we don't have it, right? When, when you think about that all we deserve is hell and God gives you a bed to rest in and a church to come to and your health or what it, whatever degree that is, it makes you thankful. Yes, sir. So what does this scripture tell us about the power of a thankful heart? Well, first of all, number one, it keeps us fearless. Keeps us fearless. Well, what do you mean, preacher? Be careful for nothing. If you don't worry about anything, how can you fear it? I'm so afraid of the election. I'm afraid of the economy. I'm afraid of the virus. I'm afraid of on and on and on. Why? Why are we so afraid of everything? You know what? Isn't it like this? We fear things and a lot of times the things we fear never happen. How many of you remember growing up? I remember this, there was a kid, I was probably in elementary school, and, and uh, he's a big old boy. I was, I was little when I was young. I'm talking about a little short. When I was in eighth grade, I was 5'4", five, 5'5", five, five, something like that. Then my mama started feeding me uh, steak and gravy and mashed potatoes, and I shot up. But I was a little guy, and we had a guy in our class, maybe fifth, sixth grade. He was, seemed, like he, seemed like he was seven, eight foot tall. He probably was like five, six, but... And I made him mad. I don't even know what I did, Brother Matt. But the word got back to me. He's going to meet. He's, he's coming after you. I was scared to death. You say, you shouldn't have feared him. You didn't see this dude. But it never happened. So every day I'd go to school and I'd try to avoid this guy and I'd try to stay away from him. And, you know, I was very cautious. Isn't it amazing when you get... Afraid, sometimes you get cautious, sometimes overly cautious, but nothing ever came of it. So all this time I'm worried about something that never takes place. And isn't that the way it is in our life? We're so worried about stuff that's going to take place that never takes place instead of just leaving for God and leaving it up to God and saying, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid of anything. I want to live fearlessly so I can serve God. Amen. Be careful for nothing, nothing, not one thing. Are you afraid of how am I going to eat? Nope, don't worry about it, right? Are you worried about your job? Don't worry about it. Are you worried about, well, it's, I don't think it's wrong to worry. Prove it from the Word of God. I didn't ask you to prove it from how you feel or what you think. Prove it from the Word of God. Be careful for nothing. Well, why can we live a fearless life? Well, first of all, we have a powerful God. I mean, the fact is... 
uh, all of this, if you'll notice, at the end of verse 7 says, through Christ. Through Christ. Through Christ. What do you mean by that, preacher? How much power does he have? Well, let me just enlighten you on how much power he's got. The very thing that man feared the most was death. I mean, uh, we feared death. Death was our final enemy, correct? I mean, you could not cheat death. Well, he overcame death. Amen. I I mean, when you think about it, the world's saying, listen, what if they kill you? What if you die from this? What if you die from this? Well, the very thing we're afraid of, he conquered death. The grave couldn't hold him. On the third day, he rose. Amen. And that same power that uh, caused him to rise from the dead is the same power that I have in me. So if he didn't fear death and he rose from the grave, why am I afraid of anything? See, we do it through Christ. We have a powerful God. We're resting in his power, not in our power. Let me tell you why we fear. Because we fear we can't do it. And may I say this, you're probably right. But he can. He can. We are trusting in his provision, his providence, and his power. Amen. We have a powerful God. Let me Listen to me. Say it with me. We have a powerful God. We're not serving some stick. We're not serving a stump. We're not serving a chubby man on a a pedestal, praise God. We're serving a sovereign, infinitely powerful God that spoke into existence the whole creation. Hallelujah. That's your God if you're saved by the grace of God. So what are you afraid of? Are Are you afraid of the Satanists? For what? Are you afraid of the witches? For what? Why are we afraid? We have a powerful God. We have a preserved mind. Notice this. The Bible said in verse 7, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Well, if we have a preserved mind, it says keeps. So I've got to control what comes in it, and I've got to keep my mind on Him. But here's what we have to understand. We fail often because of our minds. Now, You'll disagree with me on this. There's a guy I like to follow. He's, a, he's probably too extreme for many of you, right? And he says this. He said when you're tired, he's an endurance athlete. He said this. When you are exhausted and feel like you've got nothing left, you're only at 40% of the maximum capacity you could accomplish. I don't know about you, I've been pretty tired. If that's only 40%, we got a lot in the tank, don't we? But you know why we quit? Because our mind quits before our body quits. When you're tired, you're, your mind's saying, you got to quit, and your body's saying, sounds good to me. Right? Sound like a good idea to me. It's not going to disagree with you. But isn't it amazing when you look at, um, who was it? Victor Frankel. He was a... He was a uh, prisoner in uh, Auschwitz. And he wrote a book on, on the very thing about how the mind, he went through all of those years of being locked up and tortured and how he never lost his mind, how he kept hope. But it was up here. It wasn't out there, it was in here. And I'm saying this, that when you keep your mind on the Lord, you keep your mind on the thankfulness of what God's given you. Listen, that's how you, you get to the place you don't fear. That's, that's how you stay thankful. That's how, it's not just what you got. Because somebody's always going to have more. And, and 
they could take it away tomorrow. But when you realize, as the choir saying, that my name is written in heaven, that my name is in the book of life, then no matter what, you don't have to fear. What's the worst? Hey, one guy, a preacher years ago, I don't remember his name, but I heard this story. Somebody came up, put a gun in his face, said, if you don't give me all your money, I'm going to shoot you in the head and kill you. He said, you ain't going to threaten me with heaven. Well, see, if this is, if you're afraid of the afterlife, you're going to live your life in fear. If you believe what the Bible says like we say we do, and heaven's better than down here, why are you fearing this life? I just, you don't understand, preacher. I'm just so worried. What's it fixed? Heard the story of the wife. Husband said, honey, you need to quit worrying. Nothing you worry about ever happens. She said, see, it works. That's the way a lot of Christians are, right? We're worried about everything going on. Stop worrying about it. Well, you just don't understand, preacher. That's easy for you to say, come... You roll up at my house one morning around 4 o'clock and hang with me one day and then tell me how, oh, you got it made, preacher. You don't know how my life is, right? Just come on, right? right? We all have our worries we could worry about. Right. But you've got to decide you're just going to trust God. Amen. See, we have a preserved mind, then we have a peaceful soul. Notice the Bible said, in the peace of God. So if if... Verse 6 says that I'm not to worry about anything. And verse 7 says the peace of God. We're in His will. How can we have a peaceful soul? We're in His will, right? And we're a part of His plan. I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but I know this. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you're His child, somewhere you fit in His plan. And He will accomplish His plan. And so... We fail because of our minds and when we're in his protection and plan, we don't think about that. So here's what I'm saying. We have peace with God when we get saved. We have peace of God when we're walking with him. But we have peace through God because of his power. And so here's here's what I want you to see. Write this down, Proverbs 23, 7. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in him, uh, in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it keeps us fearless because we have a preserved mind, a peaceful soul. It keeps us fearless, right? So, so number two, it keeps us in fellowship by prayer. The Bible said, be careful for nothing but in everything. See, the only way you can not worry and be careful for nothing, he's telling us, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Let me ask you this. Examine yourself. What's your prayer life look like? What's your prayer? Well, now I'd spend five minutes a day in prayer. What's that look like? Notice the Bible didn't say here the order of it. It says this, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Then let your request be known. Brother Adam, you know what we do? We go right into the Christmas list with God. Now God, here's what I need this and I... I, I want to pray about this job. I want you to, I need some money and I need groceries and I need this and I need this. And you let somebody have a health scare, you know what the first thing they do? 
We need Miss Ellen, do you mind putting this on the prayer chain? You know, I don't, Brother Paul, I don't think I've gotten, now Miss Ellen, if I'm wrong, tell me. I don't know we've ever gotten a call that says, would you put me on the, on the phone tree? I need to get closer to God. I don't think we've ever gotten one, Brother Harlot says, hey, listen, would you put me on the phone tree? I'm not as thank, thankful as I need to be. When we have a major thing, we want everybody to pray, and we should. But if the only time you pray is when bad stuff happens, you're missing the opportunity of fellowshipping with your heavenly Father. He does want to hear the things that you make requests for. But listen, he ought to be praised somewhere in that. Amen. I mean, the only time we want anybody to pray for us is when something catastrophic takes place. And, and again, I understand that. But there's times when we're going to get honest. Brother Bart, when, when are we going to get honest with God and say, God, you know what? I'm not even ready to make my, my supplications known to you because I've not spent time worshiping you. I've not spent time just fellowshipping with you, talking about how good you've been to me. But why is it? Here's the thing. If you can't thank him for being good to you, why do you think he wants to hear it when all you got to do is complain about all the stuff that's wrong with you? Right? I mean, is that what you want? How many times do you see? And, I, and let me say this time out. We ought to, first, one thing we ought to thank God about is that he, He's not us. Because <laughs> there's some people you see coming. Here it comes again. Right? They never have anything good to say. They're like, they're getting ready to unload it on me, right? Let me get my, let me make sure my. My tires are pumped up on my wagon because it's going to be heavy when they get ready to unload on me, right? And they never disappoint. Preacher, I need to talk to you. Blah, 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 blah. How's it going? Oh, it's terrible. Right? Aren't you glad God's not like that? Because if he was, most of us would never be able to pray because he looks and say, nope. Right? Why don't you spend a little time thanking him for some stuff? Huh? Next time you griping about, I got to have my trash can out at the road by 5.30 in the morning because them trash men got to get up early, come by my house. Why do they think anybody gets up at 5.30 in the morning to push the trash can to the road? Or... I'm thankful I had some scraps to put in there because the stuff I dumped at dinner last night, there's a lot of places that'd be a meal for somebody. I sure am glad somebody took the time to drive by my driveway, grab my trash can, the stuff, stuff I didn't even want. See, it's all... A mindset, and, and and we're we're all flesh. I'm not I'm not standing up here saying every day I wake up now. Here's my ten thousand things I'm thankful for, and I never complain. I'm not him, Amen. But I do know this: it keeps us in fellowship 
by the content of our prayer. See, prayer should be worship, and supplication means an earnest request, and it ought to be that we're praying for others, and we also pray for ourselves. So it keeps us in fellowship by the content of our prayer. But then notice the context of the prayer. The Bible said this uh, in verse, uh, verse 7, or I'm sorry, verse 6, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's context. How, you, your mind has got to be different. When you're going to look up and you're praying and you've got some disease or you've got some affliction and you can say, God, I want to thank you for this. See, you're not going to do that in your flesh. Your prayer in the flesh is going to be, God, get it away from me. Your prayer in the spirit is, I don't understand it, and if it be thy will, right, men? Man, we talked about that yesterday in the prayer breakfast. Jesus went a little farther than everybody else did, and that's when he had communion with the Father. If you're just going to stay with the crowd, I promise you this, you're not going to have that intimacy with your Heavenly Father. So, so the thing is, there's the content of the prayer. The context is with thanksgiving in everything. Well, how can I thank Him for everything? Because He told you to. And if He told you to, you can. And if He says you can, you ought to find something in everything to give thanks. Now, I didn't say necessarily the situation, but maybe God, you ever thought God's trying to teach you something? Let me say this, time out, ready for this church? You shouldn't help everybody. You ever think God's got them in the woodshed trying to teach him a lesson? If you go bail them out, they ain't going to learn the lesson. Anybody ever been to God's woodshed? It ain't pleasant. But there's a lesson in it. You know what we do? Parents, church, pastors, we don't want anybody to hurt. Oh, we got to fix it. We got to fix it. You ought to pray about it before you do one thing because God may have them in the woodshed trying to teach them a lesson and you're not, they're not going to learn the lesson because you bail them out. You can love people without giving them everything. See, there's the context of prayer and then there's the communion of prayer. The Bible said this in verse 6, Let your requests be made known unto God. Well, you say, I thought he already knew them. He does. But he wants you to know your dependence on him. He already knows. You say, why do I need to pray? He already knows everything going on. Because your prayer is not just the list of God, here's what's wrong with me. Right? You ever think maybe in prayer when you start going to God and thanking him for all the things and thanking him for who he is? That'd be a good start. Well, I don't have anything to thank you for. You ought to thank him who he is. You ought to thank him you're not in hell. You ought to thank him that he saved you if you're saved. You ought to thank him that uh, he's convicting you if he convicts you. You don't have to have the worldly possessions or have to have perfect health to find something to thank him for. And then as you start thanking him and you're in that trial and you're going to God, if it be thy will, let this cup pass for me. And if he says no, then you know what? You just say, well, therefore, like Paul did, I'll just glory in my infirmities. Now, you ain't going to do that in your flesh. You're not going to do that without the mind of Christ. You can't do it. Why? Because our flesh is sinful and our flesh is selfish 
and we just want everything our flesh wants. Now, the, the person that is filled with the Spirit of God wants what God wants. And God wants to be glorified. So what I'm saying is, if God is using whatever the situation to bring glory to Him, thank Him for that. You just don't understand, preacher. Listen, I'm so tired of people telling me I don't understand. Let me say it this way. I didn't write it. I didn't write it. So when you come and say, you don't understand, I didn't write it. Let me tell you who wrote it. Paul penned it down. Not Paul Heaton. The Apostle Paul. Where did he get it from? The Holy Ghost. So, if God knows everything, then he knows your situation. Can we agree with that? If you say you haven't been through what I've been through, so preacher, you don't have the right to tell me this, agree with you. Paul went through more than you did. So does he have the authority? As an apostle, sure. As somebody who's been through more than you, he's got the authority. But he's got even more authority because God told him to pin it down. So I'm saying this, the communion of our prayer is that God wants you to know him because he already knows your situation. So to God, he is the object of our prayer. Our situation, our trial, all those things are not the object of our prayer. The object of our prayer and the peace of God, right? Let your request, uh, request be known unto God. If you truly have a, a spirit of prayer and you live a life of prayer, then, then your prayer, your prayer, your life's going to be about God. That's what he wants. So if we're going to have a thankful heart, the power of a thankful heart is not in just your positive thinking. It is Him changing our mind, and we have the mind of Christ. So let me finish with this. Number three, it keeps us faithful. Keeps us faithful. Why? All right, let's look at verse, uh, look at verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Well, here, here's, the, here's the strength of God. How, what do you mean by that? Well, notice what it said. The peace of God. Ready for this? Now hang with me. We're, we're, we're coming around the fourth corner right now. All right. Hang with me. We believe that, right? Now here's what I want to ask you. Does God worry about anything? Why would he? Right? Does he worry about anything? No. See, because the Bible said the peace of God. Well, if I have the peace of God, Brother Adam, it must mean that God is at peace. Right? Then he's got peace. Well, this right here doesn't say the peace of Pastor McDaniel or the peace of the Baptist or the peace of my emotions or the peace of my flesh or the peace of how I think or the peace of how I feel. That's not what it says. It says the peace of God. And so God is always at peace. You say, what about the Old Testament? He's a vengeful God. What about the last days? Doesn't mean he's not at peace. He's, he's constant. 
He's consistent. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am the Lord and I change not. He's at peace. All of this going on today, none of this stuff going on in this world today has shook him up one time. He didn't go, whoa, Peter, did you see that? I didn't know that was coming, right? So the Bible says it's the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It didn't say one thing about you. It didn't tell you to keep peace. It didn't tell you just have peace, right? We have the peace of God. We can go on because of his peace. Listen, those kids were singing. Did you get that? I've had more gains than losses. Why do you keep going? Why do I keep going? Why do you keep going? Why are we going to just keep going? Because it's worth it. See, you won't ever keep going if it's not worth it. If you're just going through the motions and God isn't real, you spend no time in communion with Him, spend no time in prayer with Him. If He's not who He says He is in your life, you'll quit. It happens every day, right? Think about all the people you knew that used to be in church, used to serve God. What happened? They make any excuse they want to, but somewhere they lost the peace of God in there. Too much turmoil. It's not worth it anymore. You stay in the fight when you believe in what you're fighting for. But Jerry, I ain't quitting. This morning I was I was cleaning out my desk. Just not cleaning out. I didn't you say, you quitting? No, I was cleaning up. Let me say that way, right? And I had a stack of books on my credenza. If you're like me, you didn't know what that is. That's a fancy word for the bookcase that goes behind your desk. So I moved some books. There's two pictures. Noah Fry, Bill Barber. How are you going to quit when they're looking at you? More than that, how are you going to quit when you think of Calvary? See, that, that's what I'm saying. You quit... When you lose hope and you lose strength. And I've got, I've got the peace of God, which is the strength of God. That's where it comes from. You're not going to muster it up. You're not going to positive thinking your way into it. You're going to have the mind of Christ. You're going to have the heart of Christ. And it affects your mind and you keep going. See, then there's the saturation of God. All these things happen. The last two wor- or three words of verse 7, through Christ Jesus. I told you this before, I've been a Baptist all my life. But when the Baptists cross the Bible, I'll say goodbye to the Baptists. 100%, right? I don't care, you can call yourself independent, fundamental, or you can say, well, I don't believe in the fundamental. I'm so sick of all these people just, it's like we nitpick. Well, I'm reformed and independent Baptist, and I'm reformed this. I don't have anything to be reformed from. Right? We're Protestant. I ain't Protestant. I didn't protest against one thing. Right? I'm a Bible-believing, independent Baptist. I'm not disappointed in that. You say, well, the independent Baptist, so is the Catholics and the Mormons and the Pentecostals. and the There's bad apples in everything. 
So here's what I'd say. Quit looking at the bad apples and be a good apple. Right? So saturate. How do you do it? You have to be saturated. This is not a show, folks. This isn't act like a Christian. God's not telling you to act like a Christian. He's telling you to be one. Don't act like Christ. Be like Christ. There's a difference. Well, what about all the hypocrites? Stop worrying about them. You just be like Christ. And how do you be like Christ? you got to think like Christ. How do you think like Christ? I have the mind of Christ. How do I have the mind of Christ? I spend time with Him. How do I spend time with Him? In the Word of God and in the, in the prayer closet. I have to be saturated. We're in Christ. We're enveloped in Christ. He's around us. Not only are we in Him, He's in us. So I'm saturated. That's how I stay faithful. Then the, the, verse 7 talks about the stillness of God. He says, shall keep your hearts and minds. Who's keeping them? He is. When my mind stays on him. So, so he keeps our minds and our heart. It's his grace. Because here's the thing. I'm looking at people right now, and you're looking at a pastor, that if I'm not diligent in seeking after God, will be statistics. You can think of the most heinous thing, the most ungodly, wicked thing you can think of that a person has done. And if it weren't for the grace of God, that could be you. You have to have your whole being, who you are, enveloped. He's got to keep it. The stillness of God is, you know what the word meek means? It does not mean weak. We have this picture of Jesus on the cross and he's this frail little guy with long hair. I didn't know who he was. And we have, we think in the, when the Bible talks about meekness, well, that just means you're weak and I want to project strength. So therefore, I'm going to be boisterous and loud and show everyone how tough I am. I've said this before. You know the ones you got to watch out for? The quiet ones. Right. Usually the guys run around and you want to, you want to fight? You don't have to worry about him. He's trying to scare people. It's the one that's meek. And you make him mad, he jumps on you like a wildcat. Here's what, here's what happens, right? Listen, I'm going to close in 15 minutes. No, I'm kidding. Just here, Here's what. You know why you need that stillness and that peace? Because you make bad decisions when you get emotional. Right? You make bad decisions when you start looking at circumstances and saying, and the devil says, you got to do this real quick if you don't do Right? But when you have peace and like, listen, one thing that's going to matter really in eternity is heaven. Amen. That's 
still, calm, right? Just that calmness. Then God can speak to us, right? When we're always, there's no stillness. You just got you to gotta be still, that still small voice. We're looking for these magnificent expressions of God and his power. It's in the still small voice. And the only way you hear that is when you're quiet, right? And that's in that communion with God. How thankful are you? Well, I'm thankful, and you can put your list down. I've got shoes on my feet. I've got a roof over my head. But what about those things that are not temporal? You ever, you, you ever, you ever thought, thank God for the trial you're in? Right? You ever, you ever thank God that in the trial he's still there? You can't do that on your in your flesh. You got to have the mind and the heart of Christ to do that. Now this morning, as we close, wonder what would happen if we had a church full of just thankful people. What if what would happen if we had folks that were just thankful for their church, Amen. thankful for their family? Thankful for, for their Sunday school teacher. Thankful for the word of God. Thankful that, hey, we're a church that has a Sunday night service and a Wednesday night service. Thankful we do have a bus ministry. Thankful we do have a Spanish ministry. Thankful that we do have missionaries. wonder what happened if we just got, just started saying, God, I just want to thank you from the, <coughs> for who you are to start with and for salvation. And I want to thank you that I'm not in hell. And stop worrying about you know, Christmas is coming, and I don't know if I'm going to have enough to buy the kids a new toy. And I want to, Lord, if you just answer this prayer and give me a raise or give me a Christmas bonus. What if he doesn't? Is he still good? Right. It's just who he is. He's good. So as we go into this next few weeks, have a thankful heart. That's how you don't fear. You change the heart. Let's stand together. Let's stand together, bow our heads. Tell you what, girls, I want you all to come sing that song for invitation this morning. God's been good. Heads bowed, eyes closed as they come. Let me ask you this. Is there one here you'd slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. If I died today, I don't know that I'd go to heaven. I need your prayers. I want to pray for you. I won't come to you. Thank you. You can put that down. Is there another? If I died today, preacher, not 100% sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Maybe you're here today and you focus more on the stuff going wrong in your life instead of how good God is. You just need to come get on the altar and say, God, I want to I wanna be thankful. Maybe you are going through a trial and you need God to help you get through the trial be a good time to come to the altar. Father, thank you for the precious soul that raised their hand and maybe others in this invitation time. Lord, speak to every heart in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As they sing, if you raised your hand or you didn't, you want to know how to get to heaven, if you'll come, we'll show you. You come, mind God. Lately I've been looking back along
Come on, you mind I God. Know it may sound simple, but it's more than a cliche. There's no better way to yeah, tell man. you than to Come on. say mind God this morning. God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, by yeah, my side man. he's always Come stood on. through Maybe it Maybe you just need to get on altar. Thank God for who he is. All he's done for you. Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears. But I felt his arms Hallelujah. around me yep, as I faced my greatest fears. I've had more gains than losses and I've known more joy God. than hurt. Yep, as his grace rolled down upon me undeserved, God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard yes. times, by my side he's always stood through it all. God's been good. Times replay and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears. But I felt his arms around me as I faced yep, my greatest fears. I've had more gains than losses, and I've known more joy than hurt. As his grace rolled down upon me undeserved, Sing if you know it. God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, by my side he's always stood through it all. Sing that God's chorus again. Been good. God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, by my side he's always stood through it all. God's been good. Father, thank you for being so good to us, as unworthy as we are. But you surely have been merciful and gracious. May we reflect on it, keep that in our mind, and worship you because of who you are. And I understand we go through trials and tribulations we don't understand, so strengthen our mind and our heart that we could trust you. Yes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.